Hey everybody, welcome back to Sacred City Vision Drip. I'm glad you're back with me as we continue the discussion on discipleship. We're thinking through some of the facets of discipleship. So far, we've talked about just generally what is discipleship? Where where are the places that discipleship takes place? What what is the nature, the relational nature of discipleship as discipleship is friendship and and of course the modes of, of discipleship, the, the ways that that we actually go about pr- apprenticing with with teaching and instruction, corrective discipleship, and of course modeling. And today I want to kind of go back around to maybe one of the more foundational concepts, and that is to think of discipleship as change. Now, I don't know how you are with change, um, but a lot of people have a hard time with change. You hear this all the time. I don't do well to change. I don't, I don't like things, um, shifting. I don't, I don't like, I want the, I want the traditional. I want, I want what I've always had. And for the life of a Christian, that that's not the case. Um, you are changing, um, God never changes, so we can have the the unchanging creator of the cosmos who sustains the world, who keeps us, who saves us, who redeems us, and who will glorify us. So we have one constant in our life, but the rest of our life as a disciple, there, there's a lot of shifting. Um, we change. The people that we're discipling hopefully are changing. Our family is changing. Our church is changing. Hopefully all to the better, that we we want to be reformed according to the word of God. We want to be changed. And so that is one thing that we have to come to grips with as we talk about discipleship is if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to expect change in your life. You have to not only expect it, but work toward change that you are being changed and that other people are being changed. And this is founded in the idea that we're told in 2 Corinthians that that by the redemptive work of Jesus, we have been made a new creation. It says the old is gone, the new has come. And so there's this really uh, profound change, even in Ephesians chapter two, um, you were once dead and now you've been brought to life. There, there's changes is baked into the gospel um, in salvation itself. And so um, the, the moment of salvation is the most drastic change you'll ever experience in your life from spiritual deadness to spiritual life, from, from being an orphan to being an adopted son or daughter of, of our, our God and our King. And so um, there, there's that foundational, instantaneous, um, profound change that takes place, but then that's not where change stops. Change continues all into every aspect, every place in your life. There, there should not be a day in your life where change isn't taking place. Now, oftentimes we don't see it taking place in massive leaps and bounds, although I've witnessed in my life and ministry, I've, I've seen people go through drastic change and just even one conversation that the Lord has, has blessed that conversation, ordained that discipleship conversation in a way that, that really did make somebody do a 180 in their life. Uh, and so there are moments where that kind of change does take place, but oftentimes the change that we're taking, that, that we're witnessing is, is it takes a little bit of time. It takes, takes some wrestling with, with ourselves and with the world and with the, the word of God. And, and little by little, uh, we are, are changed and, uh, and, and we are changed not to just a better version of ourselves or, or a slightly less sinful version of our, ourselves. Um, there's actually a standard in which we're being transformed into, uh, we are told that we are being transformed from one degree 
of glory to another as we we behold the face of Jesus. And that, that glory change is that we are taking on the image of Christ. It's 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 the process of sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. The sanctification is, I think Dallas Willard talks about sanctification in the sense that um, sanctification is figuring out how Jesus would have lived if he were me. So not that I lose my personality, not that I lose the the, the distinctive traits of, of how God has uniquely made me, but the redeemed me, the, the, the me that has been made in Christ Jesus, that recreation, what that looks like and how it looks like and resembles Jesus, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so throughout scripture, we see that we're being transformed. We are, we are beholding the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into that same image. Um, that, that's from 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And so this, this is something that we have to come to grips with, that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to embrace the change. And in fact, this is something that's commanded. It talks about change in the sense of putting off the old self so that the new self can live. And, and you can go to Ephesians chapter four, and there's a couple of things. Let me just draw the, I'm, I'm, I've got it pulled up right here and I'm going to look at it here. And, and he says, um, in verse 17 of Ephesians four, he says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Now, what's interesting about this passage is, is when we think about, okay, what needs to change? Now, a lot of times people think of discipleship as purely behavior modification. Now, certainly, uh, if you're following Jesus, the things that you do, your behavior will change. But what we need to realize that discipleship change is not skin deep. Discipleship change isn't purely behavior modification. What it is ultimately, as we see here, when when he says, do not walk as the Gentiles do, no longer walk in their ways. And he says, in the futility of their minds. Now, the Apostle Paul is doing something really helpful here. He's showing us that your behavior is always going to be a derivative of your thoughts, your understanding, and your worldview. So what you think, um, how you view the world, will ultimately decide how you live in the world. And here we see the Gentiles, or the non-believers, they're they're futile in their minds. They have a darkened understanding. And, and, and this is, uh, this plays on what we've seen in, in the gospel of John, um, where you hear, where you see in the prologue and you see later on in John chapter eight, talking about, um, light and darkness. These are, these are, um, these are, what am I looking for? The word, these are little, uh, metaphors and, and it's more than a metaphor, but these are metaphors that are used, uh, to help us, uh, understand the contrast between people who, who don't know God, people who don't rightly worship God and those who have been brought into a relationship with God covenantally and now know God and it, it affects the way that they see. So it's darkness is if you're, you don't know God, you're in darkness. Isaiah talks about this. The people have been in darkness for a long time. And then the light has come. And so what the Apostle Paul is showing us is, is the darkened, um, uh, the, the 
godless behavior, which he says, sensuality, greedy, um, they're, they're ready to practice every kind of impurity and you can go through and, and break it down. There's other places where he, he highlights all of these other sins. In fact, if you go down, um, uh, the, the page a little bit, he starts talking about stealing and being lazy, um, about, uh, corrupt talk coming out of your mouth. So gossip and slander, um, of bickering and backbiting things of that nature, um, that are all part of the works of the flesh of of the old self, which he then later on tells us that we need to put off the old self. If you go down to verse 22, he says, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desire. So there is, you have it all caked in. You have um, the minds, what you think about God. You have the desires, which are influenced by what you know and what you think is good. And then you have the actual activity. Now this is, this just breaks it down for us. When we talk about the kind of change that happens in discipleship is, is uh, a tri-perspectival change. Um, that's a big word for you. I'll give that to you for free. Um, and that just means that there's a, a three faceted change that takes place. And then you see this pop up all over the place in, um, in the Bible, um, because God himself is Trinity. He is three in one. And John frame has has developed this. Uh, he's a theologian, um, written a, a number of great helpful books and, and his, one of his theses is is this idea of a triperspectival God, where we have a lot of different manifestations of of the Trinity that that takes place. And one of the places that it takes that we see this kind of pop up is in the fact that we say head, heart, and hands. Um, so head, what you know, their minds, the futility of their minds, their heart, what they desire, the thing that they crave, um, and even sort of a you can kind of pair in the gut with that because that's another. There's there in Scripture you see this the the heart and the gut being sort of linked together. It's just sort of that that, that carnal, um, instinctual appetite sort of desire, that craving that you have. Um, and, and we see that the fallen man has misguided desires where they, they're, they're greedy, um, they have sensuality, they have this, um, they, they want to eat junk food and filling up on real food. So those desires, that longing of the heart. And then, of course, you have the hand, that activity, the behavior, um, the actual action that goes on. And so as we talk about discipleship as change, we need to realize that it takes place on all of these things. And at the, at the core of it, the thing that, that changes first is our heart, um, where we are, our hearts of stone are replaced with a heart of flesh that beats after God. Our desires are changed where we once were enemies of God. Now we long to know God. We long to be with God. Um, and, and God has granted us that access through the person and work of Christ through the the fact that we're justified, um, that we're made right with God, and now we can can desire things rightly. And then from that position, um, from the heart moves to the mind. Now these two things, um, it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. It's it's like they both are working together, but but these two things between the heart and the mind, um, the mind has the ability to influence the heart, and the heart has the influence the, the ability to influence the mind, and so they have to both be directed toward God. And so that's why he says, don't, don't give into uh, walking as the, or excuse me, the futility of minds. Don't, don't default back to the former ways that you were thinking. Um, but think about, um, what you're truly desire. What is the, what is your heart of hearts desire? Uh, and let that be God. And, and that's what God gives us the ability to do as he converts us and justifies us. And then in sanctification, we're learning to more fully desire, uh, the Lord, our God with all of our hearts. Um, we're more fully, um, pr- 
in pursuit of of a, a fuller, more robust knowledge and understanding of who God is and the world that He's created. And so the heart and the mind sort of work together, and those two things then produce the good works that you've been recreated. Your heart's been changed so that you can go about doing the good works. And so we have to see that discipleship takes this change of mindset, a change of heart, which leads then to a change of behavior where you're actually walking. That's the activity. That's the action where no longer walking as the Gentiles do, which this draws a a sharp distinction between Christians and non-Christians to say that there are things that Christians do that Gentiles or unbelievers don't do. And there's things that Gentiles do or unbelievers do that Christians ought not to do because it is prohibited from scripture. And the reason it's prohibited is because it goes against God's will, his desires, and it actually, it it violates his laws, his commands, and the way that the world is designed to work so that we would flourish. Um, and, And discipleship ultimately is changing us to become a flourishing people, to becoming more of who we were meant to be, uh, of God's initial design for humanity. So we've got to see that discipleship means change, and ultimately it means changing to become more like Jesus. Now, one of the things that the Apostle Paul says um, as he's pursuing, he's personally pursuing change like Jesus, he says to his followers, he says to his disciples, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so discipleship ought to be, and this goes back to the modeling concept of discipleship, where people actually witness this this new life, this new mindset, this new desire in you to pursue God, um, where they see you, they see you doing that, and they are, are emulating you as you desire to follow God, to follow Jesus, uh, to become more like him. And so so we do have this command in 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 22, where we're commanded to put off the old self, the flesh, the, the, the sinful desires, the warped mind, the darkened mind, the, the ungodly behavior. Um, that's, that's the, that belongs to the old self, which has been crucified with Christ. That, that, that old self has been put to death so that you, the new man who's been remade in Christ Jesus, can come to life. Now, Change doesn't come easy. I think we need to know that as, as I'm wrapping up here. Change does not come easy. It is, it is a, a task that requires intentionality. Um, it, it requires a pursuit, which is why the spiritual disciplines are so helpful. They are intended to help us move towards change. Um, and, and in that, this allows the new self, um, who is, it says, Put, put, to, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And so there's this constant battle. Um, there's this, this natural opposition that you experience that as you pursue change, you are going to be, um, it's going to be sabotaged by the flesh. The flesh, the, the enemy does not want you to change. The enemy wants to keep you in the shackles of sin, bound up in the futile ways of thinking, um, walking in the godless ways, having warped and, and poisonous desires. 
And God wants more for you, which is why he calls you into change. So I want to encourage you as you think about discipleship, let's embrace the change. Let's, let's give ourselves wholeheartedly to the change and, and the process of change that comes in, in life, in community, um, giving ourselves to the spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, scripture reading, solitude and silence, um, fasting, prayer, all of those things that are meant to transform us, heart, hands, and mind to know, love, and serve God more fully. This is what discipleship is. Discipleship is leaning into that. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the identities of the disciples. So I hope you come back and join us. Until next time, take care. Take care.